Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the 19th day of April 2023, and I'm still struggling with that. I don't know why. I'm Derek Hunter. This is the Derek Hunter Podcast. I appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend, and uh, not murdering people. I mean, it's not a prerequisite, honestly. I'll take your listen if you do, but I don't recommend it. In fact, I discourage it. Just don't do it. Anyway, thanks for uh, all the support, and you can win with that support. You can win win a Mark Levin autographed book or a Sandra Day O'Connor autographed book. Both autographs were uh, obtained by moi personally in person. One at an event, because I know Mark a little bit, and the other at uh, like a massive book signing with a whole bunch of authors. So they're both legit, too legit to quit, as a matter of fact, to quote the great philosopher M.C. Hammer. All you got to do is go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter.locals.com. Sign up, join up to support the program. Five bucks a month and you get chances to win fabulous prizes. Fabulous prizes. So, yes, thanks to everybody who does that. And uh, everybody else, come on, man. What are you doing? Come on, man. Anyway, let's get started. A lot going on. Bunch of things to talk about. And uh, I guess sitting there, there's a lot of stories, not a lot of audio. But do you start? I want to start off, I suppose, talking about AI a little bit. I don't understand the purpose of AI. I know it, it's fun. I once wrote a column. It was really easy for me because it was like, hey, write a column in the style of Derek Hunter. And I said, all right, I'll give it a shot. Chat GPT did. And it spit out seven. It wasn't even 700 words. It was like 500 words. But it spit out a column that was very generic and used some turns of phrases that I, it, it had mined what I'd written before. And it got the politics semi-right. The verbiage wasn't nearly as interesting. There was no turn of phrases that I prefer to put into my pieces. But it was like, oh, you know what? This is passable. And then I wrote an intro to it. And then I wrote an out about how AI isn't exactly ready to take over from us, replace us just yet. But it is making leaps and bounds advances. Apparently college children are uh, using it to cheat. High school kids are using it to cheat as well. Look, there are just going to be people who cheat. There are just... Joe Biden. I mean, you could cheat your way to the presidency. Joe Biden plagiarized in college, plagiarized in law school. He plagiarized as a United States senator. He's plagiarized as a presidential candidate. You could fumble and stumble your way to the top. So, you know, you can cheat. Your, you, cheating doesn't pay off. I mean, unless unless you're cool with no conscience so it does he's it worked for him it uh will work for other people if they are so uh, without scruples that being said it is making leaps i don't understand the point of of ai now granted i am not a computer scientist i'm not particularly one of those people who go well, what can the practical uh, applications of this be so on and so forth maybe you can have a counselor available 24 7 
because it's not really a counselor. It doesn't need to sleep. It's just a, a computer program, et cetera, those sorts of things. But I don't understand why, unless it starts solving real problems much faster, like something that people have been working on for a very long time, and then suddenly it just goes, well, duh, how about this? And everybody goes, oh, great, like the old story of the uh, the tractor trailer that gets stuck under the bridge because it's too tall, and everybody's like, what do we do? We uh, got two inches here. We can't get the, can we lift the bridge? How do we get it unstuck from the bridge? And the little kid, the story, I don't, this is from some movie. I don't believe it's accurate, but the kid says, why don't we deflate the tires? That'll lower the truck. I'm like, oh yeah, problem solved. Unless it can do that sort of thing. And even then, do we really need it? If it can start making medical advances, then fine. But I don't understand the need to make it out in the world, to put it out into the world. What I mean by that is there are self-contained networks. You can create a self-contained network that does that I can't access, that you can't access, that nobody can access. They are self-contained. It's all within Microsoft or whatever. You can put whatever information you want in there, but you have to physically put it in there. You have to transport it in there. It's a one-way street. It's dumping into the pool, not sucking water out of the pool. That would be a good place for AI, I would think, to avoid any potential because until we understand and, and the saddest thing is we don't the people who are putting this stuff out there in the world have no idea what its repercussions what its ramifications what its implications could be they have no idea they have very little concern there are a lot of people who run say google who are incredibly smart if you want to write a computer program to do damn near anything they are incredibly dumb if you need them to tie a shoe or, I don't know, mend a hole in a sweater, do anything like that. Any sort of practical, normal human being thing, their interaction skills, their people skills, if you will, are not particularly good at all. So you look at that situation and you go, do we want these people? Do these people really understand they are interested in what comes next. They're not interested in whether or not it should come next, what the ramifications are. I think a lot of these people, and uh, like Elon Musk is recognizing this, but a lot of these people are not good at dealing with other human beings for whatever reason. And so they don't have normal human interactions and therefore are not particularly uh, interested or looking into what AI could do. Hopefully it never will. But we've all seen movies where AI takes over, 2001, A Space Odyssey, War Games, etc., etc. I'm sure there are newer ones, but you get the idea. Terminators, all of them, could turn into a bad situation. It could. We don't know. There's also the realist uh, realization that AI is a reflection of what you put into it. 
As conservatives, we should be very concerned about that because the trusted sources that the people writing the code for AI see as trusted sources are all left-wing sources. And those left-wing sources view anybody who is not of the belief system of those left-wing sources as some form of enemy. Again, problematic in the long term. Not just, if you know, granted, if they start churning out terminators and hunting down conservatives, that would be bad, obviously. But insofar as bastardizing search results, as far as silencing people, how many news stories on MSNBC, which would be a trusted news source to these people, sit there and say that anybody and everybody, all Republicans, fascists, they're Nazis, they're this, they're that, they're the other things. And then when you're trying to find something, wouldn't AI go, well, we're not going to, you don't need to see what the Nazis have to say. Obviously, they're so marginalized. And suddenly, you're being elbowed out. It's already bad enough. Google does this deliberately. But when you become dependent on AI, on all sources of AI or any sources of AI, they'll have it inherently built in. Google, you can get around it. You can do advanced searches. You can go to a Google competitor. You can go to DuckDuckGo or uh, Bing or whatever. But if AI is out there running blocker, it doesn't sleep. It doesn't need to rest can't be reasoned with, to use the Terminator analogy. There is literally nothing stopping it from blocking you. You cannot, will not be able to get around it. Those sorts of things. The question of can we do this is an interesting one. The question of should we do this is really the important one. And if you're going to start messing around with these sorts of things without knowing the possible repercussions... At least not yet. At the beginning, it could get out of hand pretty quickly, pretty easily. Why not do it in a contained network? ChatGPT is neat. It's interesting. You can go and have, I love how these stories, the stories are always putting it like, oh, you can go and chat with Abraham Lincoln. You can go and have a chat with any historical figure. You, you can't. They're gone. Okay. But you can have a chat with a computer pretending to be them, trying to approximate them. That's a little different. It's, it's a lot like method acting. It's not real. It's not important. It is interesting. It's neat. I suppose, theoretically, it might offer some potential insights. That all it is is potential. If, you, if your uh, great-grandmother had rumors of buried gold in the backyard and she didn't tell anybody where it was before she passed, you are not going to be able to initiate a chat with artificial intelligence where grandma tells you it's over by the big oak tree, three paces to the right toward the lake. No, it's not going to be able to do that to you. You're not actually having a conversation with people who are gone. So, I mean, I get I get how that could be a comfort. I don't get how Personally, I don't get how it's a comfort because then it's just a, a shallow reminder of what you don't have access to anymore. But whatever. The question of should we be doing this is another one. And right now, we probably shouldn't be doing this. The world doesn't need the ability to say, hey, I want to chat with Thomas Jefferson. The world doesn't need college students going, write me a paper on astrophysics, on the uh, Heisenberg uncertainty principle, whatever. You don't need it. 
and we sure as hell don't need the potential of what could be. So the reason this is in the news is because there have been a series of stories about how this could go out of control pretty quickly and how conservatives could be discriminated against. I'm more concerned, and certainly don't want that, but I'm more concerned with the doomsday scenarios and that sort of stuff. And that's why I think that the people who are uh, not interested in humanity, really. The people who run Google don't seem to be interested in humanity. The people who run Mike, Bill Gates is, he might have been a semi-normal human being back when he was working in his garage with his business partners, but at a certain point, his worldview got polluted to the point that he wants to seed clouds with reflective surfaces or reflective particles see the upper atmosphere with reflective particles to block sunlight from coming in here because he thinks that he can save the planet from climate change, from global warming. It is that level of insanity. He's got the weird ideas which people have, but he's also got the money to execute it. He is out there advocating for vaccines that don't work, trying to mandate vaccines that don't work. There is something about Bill Gates that he is now so disconnected from reality that he's kind of becoming a little bit dangerous. So him saying we should plow forward, it doesn't matter. Nothing to worry about. Nothing does not give me comfort. Elon Musk looks at this. He did a long interview with Tucker. There's lots of clips floating around on social media. You can find them. You've probably heard most of them by now, but there's just one that illustrates the point I'm making here that it's something I really genuinely agree with and have been thinking for a long time that we need to really pump the brakes a little bit on this. You can do it. Should you do it? And what are the implications of doing it? And by the time it comes around to somebody really, you know, passenger seat grabbing the dashboard and saying, stop, it could be too late. So this is Elon making that point. On trivial, it has the potential of civilizational destruction. There's movies like Terminator, but it wouldn't quite happen like Terminator um, because the, the intelligence would be in the data centers. Right. Uh, the robot's just the end effector. But I think perhaps uh, what you may be alluding to here is that um, regulations are really only put into effect after something terrible has happened. That's correct. If that's the case for AI, and we only put in regulations after something terrible has happened, it may be too late to actually put the regulations in place. The AI may be in control at that point. And that's the problem. Before you realize there is a problem, the problem is out of control. What do you do then? Well, you can't do anything then. You're screwed. You're absolutely screwed. And it could be, you know, the reason... What if you... Uh, what if the Occupy, remember Occupy Wall Street? What if Occupy Wall Street and BLM Antifa, what if that mentality really sort of catches hold? If this is artificial intelligence and it is surfing the web constantly, getting information and formulating what passes as opinions because of the people who input this stuff in there, they're more inclined to look at that and go, yeah, though, this is right. This is, there's no justice out there. There is injustice out there. There is problem after problem after problem. This country is bigoted. This country is, capitalism is the problem. Because I suspect that donations to Bernie Sanders from the companies that have created various forms of AI, I bet the donations to Bernie Sanders are pretty high. 
disproportionately high, one might say, among that crowd. Well, you can access a lot of things, banking and stock trades and things like that. You don't have to launch nuclear missiles. You don't even have to have access to launching nuclear missiles to cause all sorts of problems. What if they really become fans of anti-capitalism? We need to crash the system. Well, it's one thing to have a whole bunch of unshowered mutants marching down Main Street with placards demanding the end of capitalism. It's another one to have a computer program that agrees with them that can navigate its way around all the firewalls in place around banking and stock markets and things like that and really draining those entities of their assets. That's something people really have to consider, something people really have to look into. Elon Musk, as he says, it. by the time you realize there's a problem, it may be too late. If you're the frog in the, the pot of boiling water, you hop out. The water's hot. Get me out of here. But if you're the frog in the water where they turn the, water, the flame on underneath it and it slowly heats up, you'll boil to death because you won't notice the change around you. By the time you do... Your goose and your legs and most of your torso are cooked. So, yeah, I think it's neat and interesting that AI can be created, but I think there comes a time when you just kind of have to contain it. You kind of have to remove it from the Internet. It should have never been on the Internet. People don't need access to it. There's no practical thing other than it's neat and you're getting publicity for it. There's no practical use for it being out there on the Internet or on the dark web or anywhere where it can be accessed by the public and, frankly, where it can access other things. We don't want it to access other things. It is an amalgam of what you put into it and putting everything into it all at once makes it incredibly dangerous because um, if you write that this is a trusted source and this isn't a trusted source, et cetera, et cetera, you end up perverting the world view where you can discriminate, where you can damage, where you can do dangerous things. It's neat. It's not necessary. That would be my, uh, my thing. I want safeguards. I want rails. That's just me. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm not wrong. Speaking of artificial intelligence, I do love how the uh, government, <laughs> the, the most artificial of all intelligence, and their government media, the real artificial, puts the artificial in intelligence, is sitting there trying to feign outrage. NPR, like they say, they quit Twitter. There's a mass, well, it's not a mass exodus. There's a minor exodus amongst state-affiliated media from Twitter because Twitter is labeling them what they are, state-funded media. They do the same thing for, for the Chinese communists, for the Russian, it's government-affiliated media. These are state-funded media. They're, they are. NPR used to have, until Elon Musk pointed it out, they had on their website that federal funding is crucial. Federal funding is crucial to our existence. Okay, there you go. And now up in Canada, they've done the same thing to the CBC. Now, the CBC stands for the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. And the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, Canada is uh, not quite fully socialist, but it's a pretty socialist country. 
they are um, <laughs> they're state funded by and large. Well, of course, the CBC objected. This is my favorite story of the last couple of days. Public broadcaster, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. Now, it's again public. It's public broadcasting. And it's weird how all the, like even on uh, PBS here in the United States, public broadcasting system. What do you have? You have shows like Democracy Now. Well, they they just get on the air. It's public airwaves. Anybody can do it. Not not really. And uh, they get money to do it from us. They get money from other big liberal donors to do it, and then they air it on our public airwaves. It's all there. Is there a conservative show on NPR? Is there a conservative show on PBS? No, there isn't. You can find every manner of left-wing programming, though. Uh, Reuters again. Public broadcaster, uh, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation's Twitter account was on Monday labeled as 69% government-funded media by the social media website. The Twitter label on the CBC site previously showed 70% government-funded media, but Twitter owner Elon Musk said, quote, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation said they're less than 70% government-funded, so we corrected the label, end quote. (laughs) CBC said it will pause its Twitter activities over the labeling, a spat that is also drawn in Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and is conservative rival Pierre Poulivier, or whatever the hell his last name is. <laughs> the Canadian public broadcaster's Twitter handle, at CBC, was labeled 69% uh, government-funded. Media, CBC's Twitter account showed. Twitter's Help Center page does not explain what this new label means. It's such a mystery, Reuters. Who could possibly figure out something like that? They were called originally government-funded media. And the CBC's response was, we're not government-funded media. We are uh, only partially funded. And so they said, all right. They looked and they said, we're about 70% funded. And the CBC's response was, how dare you, sir? We are less than 70% government-funded. So they said 69%. Now, the, the CBC, I assume at this point, hasn't come out and said, nope, it's only 2% or anything like that. But it it's some percentage lower than 70%. At which point, once uh, they were labeled with 69%, the CBC recognized that they were going to lose. And they realistically, the choices were they could have simply told the percentage of their funding that comes from the Canadian government or kept quiet. If it were a small amount of money, one must assume they would have said, well, here you go, it's 3%. That's all. They'd still be government-funded because they would be funded by government, but it would be such a minute percent. Once they said it's less than 70, they just went, all right, you know, 69%. Now they could keep coming back and bid it down. But eventually they're making themselves look like fools, and so they decide to take their ball and go home. And this actually did bring in Canadian Prime Minister Justin Castro, I mean, uh, Fidel Trudeau, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, I get him so confused with his father, Justin Trudeau. He's very upset, and you can tell. Why? What does it matter? 
If the source of information is a trusted source of information, realistically, what does it matter what label is slapped on it? Like, honestly, I don't know what it could possibly matter. It really doesn't. It can't. But because they don't want, they want to pretend to be neutral, rather than, see, if they, if it didn't sting, you could label, I don't know, the, the, the Washington Free Beacon state-funded media falsely, but you could say well, it's a state-funded media. People would look at it and go, it's not state-funded. You could label Fox News state-funded media. People would look at it and go, it's not state-funded media. They tried to do that during the Trump administration. It's not state-funded media. They're not a mouthpiece for the state. The label would be absurd. The reason it stings at all is because people look at it and go, well, that makes sense. Yeah, obviously they're state-funded media. Obviously they're on the team of the, the government. They are the PR wing of the government. That's why it stings. That's why they're upset. If it were so absurd, if the concept were so absurd as to be beyond the pale, there would be no way whatsoever that they would give a damn. Go ahead, call us whatever you want. We're doing what we're doing. So Justin Trudeau recognizes that the biggest source of news, coast to coast in Canada, is on his team, fully on his team, which then takes the... <laughs> It, it it damages him in the eyes of, first of all, this is all semantics and this is all cosmetic. If you're following CBC in Canada, you know what it is, all right? Either you're on board with it being state-funded media, you're on board with it for being left-wing media, or you follow it out of spite and hate to mock it, period, end of story. Just like if you follow NPR. If you follow NPR, you're either a turtleneck-wearing, uh, latte-sipping leftist, or you are a conservative who's hate-following it, period, end of story. There aren't very many people out there going, oh, geez, what is this? NPR. Well, it must be just an arbiter of, of truth and fairness. No, you know what you're getting. Leftists try to convince themselves that it's not left-wing, but they base that mostly on what Rachel Maddow tells them. You know, Rachel Maddow is the only arbiter of truth in all of newsdom. I, I I beg to differ on that one, but there are people who believe that sort of garbage. So Justin Trudeau is upset over something that doesn't really in the grand scheme of things matter uh, because it's not as though Twitter is slapping a label on CBC's broadcast. That's where it reaches most people. But they're throwing a hissy fit because they really desperately want to pretend that they're honest brokers. Same with NPR. We're not going to use this platform unless and until you guys remove this label, blah, blah, blah. blah. Okay, well, stop. All you got to do, really, you can get that label removed is stop taking federal funds. Stop taking federal funds and the problem is solved. You will have won. You will have disproven the allegation, as a matter of fact. But they don't do that. They don't want to stop that. It's weird, isn't it? And yes, they get funded while Republicans are in office too, and they're not they're state funded media then, but the state is not necessarily the the government in power at the time. The state is the interest of the bureaucracy 
the overall arching state, which is rapidly left-wing, the regulatory state. So Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is very, very upset about this because he doesn't like being called. These are his friends. These are the people. He's upset about this because his PR wing, the CBC, is upset about this. Honestly, I doubt highly that the Prime Minister of Canada gives a damn what the CBC is labeled on social media. But he had to speak out because, well, the alternative would be to tick off a big portion of his his donor base, his supporters, his PR wing. I think it says a lot about the Conservative Party of Canada. They're, They're choosing to constantly attack independent media organizations, journalists who are working hard to keep Canadians informed and support our democracy. CBC Radio-Canada serves right across the country, delivers local news and local content in many regions of the country. Yes, has been challenged over the past years, but the idea of adding to that challenges and laying on by attacking this Canadian institution, attacking the culture and local content that is so important to so many Canadians, uh, really indicates uh, the values and the approach that Mr. Polyev is putting forward. And I think it is telling that in order to attack this institution that is important for many, many Canadians, He runs to American billionaires, the tech giants that they continue to defend in committee and in their uh, their approach on our legislation to make tech giants pay their fair share. Conservatives are always there to defend them. So when they're trying to attack a foundational Canadian institution, the fact that he has to run to American billionaires for support to attack Canadians says a lot about Mr. Polyev and his values. (laughs) He's very, very upset. How dare they? How dare he do these sorts of things? Oh, no, what a monster. They labeled state-funded media state-funded media. It's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. What If they are this upset about this little bitty bit of truth going out there on social media, which, you know... It has a worldwide following. So, however many followers the CBC has, it's it's anybody can follow. You can live in New Zealand and follow the the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. If they're hiding and they're upset about this, what else are they upset? What else are they hiding? What else are they you know doing to try to obfuscate information? What else? It's a it's a legitimate question. These people are insane. Don't take the money if you don't want to be labeled state-funded media. Is It's right there in state-funded media. You are funded by the state, at least in part or in whole. Whatever it is, a portion of your funding comes from the state. Now, I love it every time there's a, a an NPR discussion or a PBS discussion in this country where they're going, you know what, we're going to Republicans try to cut funding for NPR and what happens? 
they run up there and they say two things. Don't cut it, please. Good God, don't cut it. You'll ruin us. You'll ruin us. You'll ruin us. And they say simultaneously, it's such a small percentage of what we get. It's really, and when you look at the grand scheme of government funding, it's pennies. It's fractions of a penny on the dollar. It's so insignificantly small in the grand scheme of things of what the government is spending. Like, yeah, okay, it is, but it doesn't matter. Every If somebody dumps a drop, of, a, a bucket of water on you, every there's not one drop in there that's more, makes you wetter than any other drop. Is there? No, of course there isn't. It is all... One, you know, this drop is dirty as that drop. So each little bit of money that the government spends or wastes is just as important and should not be wasted as any other drop of water the government wastes. It's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. So they can't have it both ways. They do want it both ways. They're not government-funded. But we definitely don't want the government funding that we are not getting to stop. Please, Lord, don't stop funding us, government, but don't tell us. We're, it's like hookup culture, right? The hookup culture. You, you got some guys, you got some girl that you're hooking up with. It's a, your booty call. I don't know what they call it anymore, but it's your booty call. And you're not texting her till like midnight on a Friday when you're out with your friends and, and nothing else is happening. They don't want to do it, uh, but yeah, whatever, we'll do it. Well, it'd be much better and much easier if you don't want to be the booty call, then don't answer the booty call. Don't, don't, do and if you don't want to date something, then have a converse. I mean, it's not just the girl. If the guy doesn't want to date the girl, then maybe you shouldn't act like you're dating the girl. Maybe you shouldn't do, th oh no, it's fully understood. Whatever. Okay. It's fully understood. It's fully understood that you take government money. You are therefore government funded by very definition. doesn't matter what percentage of your funding you get. PBS is funded by taxpayers. End it. And you can get rid of the label. It's not government sponsored media. It's not government mouthpiece necessarily like some of the state affiliated media which is you know what they label russia or china daily is it's just the propaganda wing of the chinese communist government they haven't gone that far it's mostly funny and nobody is shocked by this label the people feigning being shocked are the least shocked by this they're probably sitting there going i can't believe we got away with this for as long as we did my god <laughs> But they all got to do the dance. They all got to play part in the Kabuki theater. And we got to call them out because if they're lying about this, which they are, what else are they lying about? That's the question we need to plant in other people's minds so that they can then, you know, ask their own questions, find their own answers. That's what terrifies the left more than anything else is people finding out for themselves the truth. There's another news. This out of the Senate is pretty damn funny to me. Diane Feinstein, she's 89 years, 90. She's up there in age. The uh, Democrats want her to retire because she's been out battling shingles for six weeks. And she hasn't been on the Senate Judiciary Committee, which means that 
Joe Biden's left-wing lunatic judicial nominees haven't been easily cakewalked into lifetime appointments. You know, they can't answer basic questions. What is Article 1 of the Constitution? I'm not familiar with that. I don't know. What about Article 2? Got me. The Bill of Rights, you ever heard of it? Uh, uh, there's a guy to my right I think might be being Bill, but I don't know what you're talking Yeah, but you know, put me on the federal judge for uh, bench forever. Well, she is uh, refusing to... Re- the Democrats started calling for her to resign last year because they, they really want to stuff the courts. It's kind of funny. They always sit there and say, Republicans, they stuffed the court. That's exact. They're always doing what they accuse Republicans of doing. Now you've got... Uh, the uh, senior national political reporter for NBC News, Sahail Kapoor, reporting that she had originally, she'd asked to, Diane Feinstein had asked to be temporarily taken off of the Judiciary Committee uh, and replaced by a Democrat while she's out recovering from shingles so that they could ram through more judges. And the Republicans blocked it because, you know, you need unanimous consent from the Senate to do it easily. They can still do it. They'll ram it through eventually. But Republicans aren't going to make it easy for them because screw Democrats. So now they're all saying, well, she's got to resign. She's got to resign. She's got to resign. They all suddenly turned into Don Lemon. Remember Don Lemon said the women over uh, 50 passed their prime? Well, Dianne Feinstein is past her prime. Nobody's accusing her of not knowing where she is or being able to string together a coherent sentence or whatever. Nobody's accused her of, well, of being John Fetterman, who returned to the United States Senate for the first time in two months yesterday. Uh, Physically, mentally, who knows? The reporting there from Manu Raju from CNN was, here's a picture of Fetterman getting out of a car. They did not show any video of it. And here he is getting out of a car. And Manu Raju said with a straight face and no explanation that uh, Fetterman did not take any questions on the way into the, the Senate offices. He didn't, take any que- he didn't take any questions because he can't take any questions. But they still cover for him. He's cool. He can stay because he can be puppeted out of uh, the shadows. Diane Feinstein can't be because she physically needs to be there to vote where Democrats need her to vote. So the Slate reporter for uh, courts is now mad. A guy named Mark Joseph Stern says Feinstein's refusal to retire is currently wreaking havoc or wrecking Biden's judicial entire judicial agenda. What does it mean judicial agenda? It sounds like judicial activism to me it's erasing the advantage that senate democrats gained in 2022 it's grinding confirmations to a halt it's giving gop senators even more leverage over noms the damage here is just astounding the damage here is just astounding by refusing to retire feinstein is making it impossible for senate democrats to push through the kind of diverse and progressive nominees who biden championed In his first two years, his track record on nominations is subtly falling badly behind. This is an absolute disaster. Anytime a leftist says it's an absolute disaster for them, it's a good day for America. Meanwhile, by the way, while everybody's running around going, oh, it's not state-sponsored and nobody's really concerned about, or at least nobody who should be concerned is concerned about AI, the World Health Organization, remember them? They did such a bang-up job during COVID, is out there desperately trying to expand its power. 
And what's really terrifying is there are a lot of governments on this planet, ours included, that seem interested in that happening. That seem interest, interested in that happening. You go to, uh, this is from March 3rd, 2023. Countries, this is from the World Health Organization, this is their own propaganda wing. Countries begin negotiations on global agreement to protect world from future pandemic emergencies. It sounds super friendly, doesn't it? The countries of the World Health Organization have begun negotiations on a global accord on pandemic prevention, preparedness, and response, using the zero draft as a basis for negotiation, uh, negotiating an agreement to uh, protect nations and communities from future pandemic emergencies. Ending Friday, discussions on the draft pandemic accord took place during the week-long fourth meeting of the Intergovernmental Negotiating Body. God, they come up with these names. It's all straight out of the Soviet Union. It's terrifying. Which includes WHO's 194 country negotiators on the, dra on the draft bill will continue. On the draft will continue over the next year, according to a timetable laid out by the World Health Assembly. Dr. Roland Deers, co-chair of the Bureau from the Netherlands, said, quote, the start of discussions to, uh, of concrete language for the WHO pandemic accord sends a clear signal that countries of the world want to work together for a safer, healthier future where we are better prepared for and able to prevent future pandemic threats and respond to them effectively and equitably. Respond to them effectively and equitably. Equitable. Equity. Democrats, the leftists, the progressives love that word. What does it mean? It means that the right people suffer more. It means rich it means white. It means rich. White. Rich probably trumps white, to be honest with you, in the grand scheme of things when dealing with the WHO, and certainly not capitalists. Capital, they hate capitalist countries. But they're essentially saying that this would favor other, uh, be able to, they want the freedom to be able to favor third world countries, essentially. Now, if, if, if something really went bad, just hypothetical, if something really went bad with the pandemic, China next China's next virus escapes from the lab and it's actually super duper deadly. What do you do? Well, you'd punish the United States somehow. You wouldn't punish China. China's technically third world. The rest now wouldn't you want to, I don't know, protect everybody equally? No, that's not. They want equity. They want equity. Now thank God that there are a lot of people who are not interested in this because the government the uh, not the government the world health organization wants essentially absolute power to lock down countries lock down citizens it wants the ability to override constitutions of its member states including the united states now there is no provision in the united states constitution that allows for the constitution to be suspended period let alone by some non-American international agency. But we're not dealing with people here who are at all interested in our Constitution. I'm not just talking about the people at the World Health Organization. I'm talking about people in the Biden administration. They are not at all interested 
in our Constitution. But thankfully, there are people out there who are interested, not necessarily in our Constitution, but in the sovereignty of their own nation. One such member is a UK member of Parliament named Danny Kruger. He gave a speech yesterday about this massive World Health Organization expansion. I want you to hear a bit of it because it is terrifying, but it is also something you have to be aware of, especially with the Biden administration in power. Of course, we know about the WHO. We know it's unaccountable nature. The Director General appointed through an opaque, non-democratic process. Too much power for international pharmaceutical companies. And these regulations propose the creation of a vast public health surveillance mechanism at public expense, but also if the WHO itself was anything to go by, it would be substantially funded by the pharmaceutical industry. And crucially, as my friend from Don Valley just mentioned, it proposes that the existing powers for the WHO to make recommendations about what countries should do should be upgraded from non-binding to binding recommendations. So it, it it amounts to a vast transfer of power to the WHO. And what would these new regulations enable? Legally binding obligations on countries to mandate financial contributions to fund pandemic response activities. It could require the surrender of intellectual property and technologies. It could mandate the manufacture and international sharing of vaccines. It could override national safety approval processes for vaccines, gene-based therapies, medical devices and diagnostics. The powers for the WHO extend potentially to ordering border closures on countries, travel restrictions, tracing of contacts, refusal of entry, forced quarantining, medical examinations, including requirements for proof of vaccination, and even the forced medication of individuals. And it's not just when there is indeed a pandemic already declared that these powers might be invoked, it's when there is simply the potential for such an emergency that the WHO claims this power. Concerned yet? Now, of course, the leftist media, the not necessarily state-sponsored, you don't have to take federal money or government money to be state-sponsored media. You just have to be a mouthpiece for the left, is in full effect. Sophia Tulp, I think is how you pronounce T-U-L-P. She did a, a quote-unquote fact-check for the Associated Press, calling, oh, these are, these are false claims. The treaty hasn't been written yet they're in the negotiation stage but the ap claims clairvoyance over what those things will conclude and include to claim a legally binding world health organization pandemic treaty will give the organization the authority to control u.s policies during a pandemic including those on vaccines lockdowns school closures and more the ap's assessment false the voluntary treaty, which is in draft form and is still far away from ratification, does not overrule any nation's ability to pass individual pandemic-related policies. Multiple experts, including one involved in the draft process, told the Associated Press, well, of course, gee, you know what? The police showed up at somebody's house where the uh, wife called the police saying that their husband, her husband was beating her. The husband answered the door and said, I am not beating her. And the police promptly left because he wouldn't lie. They, look, they were there. They talked about what was going on. And it turns out that he said that he was not beating her. So it's time to go. The people involved 
in things that aren't done yet. No, no, no. Where we would never, in a minute, never, 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 never. And they talked to other experts. Too, doesn't that make you feel good? They talked to other experts. The treaty lays out broad recommendations related to international cooperation on pandemic prevention, preparedness, and response. Nowhere in the 30-page document are lockdowns, closures, or specific citizen surveillance systems mentioned. This is an abject lesson, folks. This is the way that government works. This is the way that ever-expanding bureaucratic power comes into being. There is no piece of legislation that will say, you could go ahead and lock everybody in jail. You can go ahead and hermetically seal people into their houses. Knock yourself out. It says that they will, the people empowered by ex will have the authority, such authority as to do what is necessary, what is deemed necessary to contain the outbreak. That is not saying you can close schools. That is saying they can do whatever they think is necessary to contain the outbreak, 15 days to slow the spread, that sort of thing, except on a worldwide scale. They're not going to say that they have the power to close schools. They're not going to enumerate these powers. They want the, If you enumerate powers, there was an argument at the founding of this country, the founding of our Constitution, about whether or not a Bill of Rights was necessary. A lot of states, several states anyway, uh, would not sign on to the Constitution were the Bill of Rights not a part of it, or at least they're not held a, a vote. They didn't ratify, I think, two or three of the proposed amendments to the Bill of Rights, but they didn't. There was a school of thought that it wasn't necessary, and if we had honest politicians, it wouldn't be necessary. And what do I mean by that? It wouldn't be necessary because if you just read the Constitution, it is unambiguous about what the federal government can do, what the role of the federal government is, and everything else is pretty much relegated to the states. If you really wanted a Bill of Rights, the Bill of Rights should start and stop with the Ninth and Tenth Amendment. That doesn't say the federal government can impose speech. Now, liberals look at that and say, well, it doesn't say we can't if the Bill of Rights of the First Amendment weren't there. And hell, they know that it says that, that they can't. And they still work diligently to try to do it. So, you know, having it unambiguously spelled out hasn't really slowed them down. The Second Amendment doesn't leave a whole lot of, gee, I wonder what they were talking about their room. But they still insist that they can overrule it by simply pretending it doesn't exist. That sort of insanity. But the argument against the Bill of Rights coming into existence was we don't need it because, you know, the Constitution doesn't, the Constitution is only telling you what the federal government can do. And all of these other things that you're worried about are not in there, so therefore the federal government can't do it. But the argument was also against the Bill of Rights was that if we do articulate certain things in the Bill of Rights, like, you know, the Fifth Amendment, the Fourth Amendment, the Second, et cetera, et cetera, then other things that are not articulated in there could be assumed to not exist, right? Other rights that are not, if you, if you start saying these rights, you have these rights guaranteed, then don't things that aren't things that aren't mentioned therefore up for grabs, at least open to interpretation, open to argument. There's a good case to be made 
for that argument. It's too late. The horse has left the barn. And quite frankly, the left would have tried to screw everybody over anyway. Regardless, that's just how they are. If you'd articulated everything or articulated nothing, they would have simply ignored the whole thing when it suited their need. That's the, the essence of progressivism. But if you look at legislation that has been passed since then and you wonder how it is that a piece of legislation can be passed that now has bureaucrats telling you that you can't dig in your own backyard, that you can't do this, that all the the abuses of power, the federal government, you know, sits there and goes, how the hell, who authorized, who said you could do this, that, or the other thing? And, and there's no piece of legislation that says you can do most of what the federal government does, especially with, you know, no new piece of legislation. Suddenly they're regulating that a certain percentage of cars sold have to have zero CO2 emissions, which will relegate the gas-powered engine obsolete. Oh, no, not obsolete. It'll still be the only one that works long-term, but it'll make it illegal. There was no law passed for that. It was a bureaucrat, and it's because, in like the Clean Air Act, they said that the measures measures needed as necessary to maintain the integrity of this or the intent of this bill and the integrity of the air, whatever, shall be determined by the secretary. And no power was granted the secretary of transportation or the head of the EPA or whatever. In the Clean Air Act, they said that, and they just said, well, now I determine as the secretary that this measure is necessary. This is the way to go about and achieve the goals of this piece of legislation and this federal department that was established in 1972 or whenever the EPA was established. I now determine that there's no new, nothing. Nobody voted on it. Nobody campaigned on it, nothing. They just decided to decree from on high. Now, theoretically, those decrees from on high can be undone by the next administration. But then you have to rely on a court, because I guarantee you, DACA was created by the Biden administration, unambiguously, illegally, the Dreamer program, right? Amnesty for kill, they're brought here through no fault of their own, et cetera, et cetera. They're now granted legal status. There's nothing. Even Barack Obama was on record for years saying, I don't have the authority to do this. And then one day he said, ah, screw it. I'm going to do it anyway. And he did it. Well, Donald Trump tried to undo it. With exe- it was done with executive order, Logic, common sense, the Constitution dictate that anything done by executive order can be undone by executive order. Just like anything done by legislation, it should not be able to be undone by executive order, but it can be undone by legislation. But liberal judges said, no, you can't do that. You can't do these kids. They've now, you've allowed them to stay through this program. You can't take this program away. It would be wrong. Suddenly, this power was permanent. Suddenly, this power that didn't exist was not only in existence, but it was somehow permanent forever. How does that happen? Well, liberal activist judges. That gets back to why Dianne Feinstein, why the Democrats want Dianne Feinstein to go so desperately so they can continue to pack the courts. They are looking at the map 
for the United States Senate at a minimum. Whatever happens in the presidency happens in the presidency, but the United States Senate map, there's a lot more Democrats up in 2024 than there are Republicans up in 2024. So it is uh, a more dangerous year. There's a higher percentage or higher possibility. It's not a probability, but a higher possibility that Democrats could lose control of the Senate next year. Thank God if they're, you know, hopefully that happens. But they're trying to put people in place with this mentality, this mentality that the World Health Organization wants. The entire premise of progressive government is there really are no limits on government. The justices on the Supreme Court who are left-wingers, they used to, they don't anymore. Back when Darth Vader Ginsburg was alive, they were citing uh, foreign law, they did in a couple of cases to try and justify their decisions. They don't even do that anymore. They used to have to scramble to try and find a way to twist the words of the Constitution to somehow mean that they could go ahead and impose their will on the American people, even though the Constitution is pretty unambiguous that they can't do that. Now they just don't do that. You read an, read an opinion by uh, Darth Vader Ginsburg. You would disagree with it, probably, but you'd find an argument there. You would find a coherent, intelligent argument there. Read an argument by the the wise Latina, Sonia Sotomayor. It can be a dissent. It can be a majority. I don't know if she writes many majorities. I don't think that they let her write many of the majority opinions because her dissents are irrational and illogical. They're embarrassing that an adult human being could write that way. So you sit there and you see that the left has, they used, just like in everything, they used to try to convince people to their side. Now they don't. Now they try and force their will on it. Those goons in Tennessee are still protesting. They're marching around carrying mini coffins, trying to get into the legislative session with props, and they're not allowed to do that. They're leading chants and cheers. They are out there going, we need to protest this, that, you just, why? Because it's attention. It's attention-seeking. They aren't interested in having a serious discussion. They aren't capable of having a serious debate. They're intellectually dishonest human beings. But they've got the state-affiliated media, the state-sponsored media, the state-friendly media on their side, so they're raising millions of dollars. They get cameras, two backbench guys. The Democrats control, what, about 30% of the state legislature in Tennessee, and they're trying to ram the... They want their will to become law while chanting, this is what democracy looks like. They are... 30% or less of the legislature and they are demanding this is what democracy looks like, that they want their way. That is decidedly not what democracy looks like. That is expressly what tyranny looks like. And there isn't a single idiot in the media calling them out on it. You empower the World Health Organization through vagaries of regulation. And when they do seize that power, God forbid, can you count on any of the people who told you there was nothing to see here? that they would stand up and say, this is wrong and we shall call it out? Absolutely not. The only real defense for liberty is to prevent this sort of insanity from coming into being in the first place. That's it. When you're talking about the United Nations in any way, shape, or form, you think, well, okay, eh, what do you expect? They put Sudan on the Human Rights Council while Sudan still had slavery. You can't 
they can't get any lower than that. They put all these countries on all these councils because it's just their turn. It's just their turn. And they're all violating, you know, hey, here's uh, whatever, uh, Syria on uh, the Women's Rights Council. You go, you're you're kidding. They did this ironically, right? Nope. They, They don't even pretend to actually care. They just go through all the formalities. And by the way, it allows all these despotic third world hellholes to pretend that they are somehow wonderful places and whatnot. And like, oh no, no, we're we're on the Human Rights Council. Really? Yeah, no, I no, I gotta get home. I'm bidding on some small children. I wanna make sure that I get the get my bid in before that uh, auction ends. You're like, huh. That doesn't seem like somebody who should be on the Human Rights Council, but okay. Whatever. You're part of the United Nations. You do you. Well, I saw this headline and I thought, this one is too beyond the pale. Fox News headline, new UN-backed legal recommendations normalize sex with minors, outraged critics say. So here's the story. A shocking report issued by international legal experts with the backing of the United Nations appears to open the floodgates to normalize sex with minors. Quote, sexual conduct involving persons below the domestically prescribed minimum age of consent to sex may be consensual, in fact, if not in law, the Geneva-based International Commission of Jurists wrote in March, with an assist from UNAIDS and the Office of the United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights. See, when I tell you about other countries around the world, third world hellholes, and especially all you leftists out there who look at this country and think, ugh, the United States is just the worst. America is just the worst. You honestly have no freaking idea what you're talking about, what is the worst and what isn't the worst. I just want to make that clear. There are countries, and you sit there and go, we must celebrate diversity. And, oh, uh, all cultures are equal. And all No, they're not. It has nothing to do with skin color. There are lots of cultures perpetrated and perpetuated and practiced by people of every possible skin color that are absolutely horrible and awful. For example, one of the things in Afghanistan, you're supposed to, you know, you can't say these things, but if you talk to anybody who served in Afghanistan, any soldier who served in Afghanistan, and you will find what? You will find them with stories about child rape, about the locals, about the tribal elders, people in tribes, people in the rural areas, violating young children, usually young boys. And it's very bizarre because they're very protective of women. They're very The cultures, oh, yeah. Covered from head to toe. Just show your eyes. Cover why if men see women dressed provocatively, the rape gene is going to kick in and they're going to go absolutely crazy and pillage the whole village. It doesn't make any sense otherwise. I don't know what the real belief is. I, I don't understand the idea that God made a mistake in creating women by you know giving them bodies. Here's women. All right. Oh, oops. Sorry about that. Well, here, you can make up for it. Cover them from head to toe. Make them walk around like Casper all day. Give them eye holes. 
But, I mean, if you want to put mesh in front of the eye holes to make it so you can't even see the eyes, then that's fine, too. But uh, sorry, but I screwed. I wasn't paying attention that day, and I accidentally made women aesthetically pleasing to men. Women are, Men are never concerned, like, oh, I've got to cover myself because a woman might have an uncontrollable urge to rape me. So maybe the the subject the uh, the objective should be for men to I don't know be trained to control themselves. But that's that's a, a tangent. You go into these villages, these remote villages in Afghanistan, and frankly, throughout a lot of that region of the world, and sex with young boys is normal. Now it's weird because if you're gay. They're not super friendly towards that. They're just not. But if you're uh, having sex with young boys, it's somehow considered okay. I don't understand how. I do judge it as evil because it is evil and it should be judged as evil. I'm not one of those people who looks at this stuff and goes, well, you know, every culture is different. No, no. Uh, You want to eat bugs, I'm going to go, ugh, eating bugs. That's your culture. You can go ahead and eat bugs. But... If you want me to look the other way on child molestation, I'm never, I'm never going to go. You know what? Tomato, tomato. But a lot of these countries, they all have equal vote and voice on these committees making recommendations in the United Nations. They don't sit on the Security Council. We do, thank God. And the only reason to justify staying in the United Nations is to exercise our veto in the UN Security Council. That'd be the only reason to consider staying there, honestly. But even that wears thin after a while. Uh, Back to the story. The report titled The Eight March Principles of Human Rights-Based Approach to Criminal Law Prescribing Conduct Associated with Sex, Reproduction, Drug Use, HIV, Homelessness, and Poverty. That's the report. That's the title. That's, again, straight out of the Soviet Union. I don't know how these people live with themselves. And again, it just feeds my desire to get the hell out of there, right? Just get the hell out. Let me out of, get us out of this godforsaken pit. A quote, according to the United Nations, children may consent to sex with adults. This has been the plan all along. Social media influencer Ian Miles Chong tweeted over the weekend. Uh, The report does not offer a suggested age of sexual consent. It was released on March 8th in recognition of International Women's Day. The commission states online, suggesting there's a connection between women's rights and the age of consent. The once unthinkable recommendation from an international cabal of global elites, legal, uh, global elite legal minds, appears to suggest that pedophilia could be normalized. And what I'm telling you is the left, the progressive movement is a hydra. It's heads after heads after every time you cut one off to come back. What were we talking about last year, about this time? The sociology professors who were doing what? They were referring to pedophiles, not as pedophiles. Why calling them pedophiles is wrong. Don't call them pedophiles. That's just wrong and judgy. No, putting that aside, they instead said they were minor attracted persons. Minor attracted persons. Now, what does that mean? 
pedophile, but it's code. See, pedophile is stigmatized, so they prefer minor attracted persons, that people with tenure, there's nothing more damaging to society than a pervert with tenure, than a leftist with tenure. They will do all the damage you possibly can imagine and more to the fabric of society. It's gross. They're gross people. But it is bizarre how these things function, how this comes about, because they will do this. They won't get there this time. They will do this eventually. They start to normalize the concept, desensitize people to the concept. It kind of started a long time ago. From when I was a kid, you remember, uh, what's her face? I wasn't a kid, I guess, but um, Mary Kay Letourneau. Remember that? I think that's the name. Mary Kay Letourneau and Vili Falal. Billy Falal was like a 10-year-old or 12-year-old student, and she was his teacher. And she had sex with him. She got pregnant. you imagine? She got pregnant. She had the kid. She went to jail. She was going to go to jail. She was getting off easy, actually. She should have been sentenced for child rape. And I think it was like child endangerment or something. And then she, she still was running around with Billy Falal. She was caught while she was out on parole or probation or something, and she was caught with Billy Falal again. And her defense was, we're in love. We're in love. And he's like 14 or 15 years old. Like, we're in love. It was just, it's true love. And there were people out there going, well, you know, you can't. Age ain't nothing but a number. Boy, howdy. People were just in love, and you're never going to stop love. Maybe we should stop trying to stop love, etc., etc. She ended up getting a longer prison sentence. She ended up getting out of prison. Uh, not that, I guess it wasn't all that long of a prison sentence because, uh, boy, I tell you, if the genders were reversed, though, she had the book thrown at her. But then uh, they ended up getting married. They ended up getting divorced later, and she has since passed away. But it is a messed up situation. And throughout the entirety of it, yeah, Barbara Walters did an interview where, like, oh, he's a child, he's a boy, he's a this, he's a that. But it wasn't a straight-up judging of it. There was some weird sympathy of, you know what, love is love, and who are we to judge? And love manifests itself in all manner of way. That's becoming normalized. Think of all the stories you've seen, and just the stories. You don't the, the results don't matter. Most of the time it ends up now, sadly, in no jail time. If the teacher is an attractive woman, I don't know where all these teachers were when I was in high school. I'm not talking about having sex with students, but uh, we had no attractive, we had sort of one that was kind of attractive, but that was it. That's beside the point. But think about all the stories that you see. What do you see? You see that they're busted for sex with children. There's a word for that. There's a couple of words for that. There's pedophilia for that. Or there is statutory rape. If it's a man, it's statutory rape. And what's sad is even that's kind of going away. It's much less common. I don't know what the hell's wrong with these female teachers, but it's much less common for a man to have sex with, uh, with students, apparently, or at least for people to find out about it. Maybe it goes on. I don't know. But it's uh, much less common... In all these women's stories, it's all just all they under sex with uh, sex with this person. It's statutory rape. 
but you get a six-month sentence and public humiliation soon, and I promise you, very soon, the public humiliation will go away. The public humiliation will go away. Well, the kid was 17 years old. He's basically an adult. He's basically an adult who might be able to sign up for the military if his parents sign a waiver. See, it's, it's, that's not an adult. It's a, that's a clear indication of not being an adult. There is a finish line. It's 18 years old. There is a line of decency that there are some people who graduate high school when they're 18 years old and they're still in high school because of their weird quirk of birth for their 18th birthday. That does not mean that it's a free-for-all for the teachers to start looking at those kids as a dating pool. Sadly, it probably does in some school districts and in some people's minds. But you start normalizing these things little by little. And I'm guilty of it, too. You sit there and you say, well, this teacher had sex with this boy. And, and they have a whole bunch of salacious pictures from her uh, OnlyFans page or whatever, or Facebook page. And you go, you know, she's pretty good looking. And your mindset is, at 15, you're 15 years old, man. Why wasn't she my teacher? doesn't change the fact that it's child rape, but it does help normalize it. And if the only punishment is eventually going to be losing your job and stigma, you will the stigma will go away. The only reason you know the names Paris Hilton and Kim Kardashian is because they have sex tapes. And if we had a thing called shame back then and they didn't power through it, we still had a little bit of shame back then. And they powered through it. And they parlayed that into tens of millions, if not billions of dollars. So now that shame is nothing. Shame is a way to get social media follows. Shame will get you more members of your OnlyFans page. It's funny how that works. But it's also a sign of our society literally eating itself, destroying itself. So this UN mess, as it's still going forward, might not succeed. It probably won't succeed. I don't think we're there yet for this. But if you look around at society, we're getting there. I don't know how anybody could look around at what's going on and think we're not getting there. We're definitely inching towards that. It's pretty damn gross, actually. All this normalizing of insanity and, frankly, evil, it does have consequences. Yesterday I talked about the uh, teens. They always get the teens. No descriptor beyond teens. In Chicago, who were beating holy hell out of people and looting stores and smashing cars and setting fires because they're just teens. They're just teens in the... The mayor of Chicago said, well, let's not demonize them. Let's demonize the corporations, those businesses that they destroyed and those people that they attacked. They they all swung first or something. This is incredibly stupid. Well, it's not localized to Chicago, and it's coming soon to a city near you. KTLA. Compton residents say they have had enough of the escalating crime and violence in their city after three street takeovers in one night were followed by hundreds of people swarming an Arco gas station, trashing the store, and stealing thousands of dollars in merchandise. See, they're just, it's just the teens again. Just those damn teens. Uh, you know, Compton. Teens. 
A total of six businesses were targeted over the weekend in Compton in what authorities called a flash mob-style instances. Surveillance video shows two men in masks break in the front door of Barrera Gonzalez, a Mexican restaurant on Rosecrans Avenue at Beach Boulevard. The suspects headed straight to the cash register and take what they can get before a third suspect is seen running into the business. A cook at the restaurant named Eduardo Zarati told KTLA that it's not the first time Barrera Gonzalez has been hit by thieves on a weekend, and this time around another restaurant in the strip mall was also burglarized. Zarati said the break-ins happened after 1 a.m. as street takeovers were happening throughout the area. I love the street take. They're called street takeovers now. Why? Because riots have negative connotations. You can't really be against something truly against it if you use terminology designed to soften the impact of the reality of what it is all right it's a street takeover no it's a riot it's a riot all right it's a gang of people however many rioting and looting that's it it's not a street takeover the police could i promise you the police if they were allowed to could take back that street in a heartbeat pretty damn easily right? And they could arrest everybody. They really need to just roll out the armored cars, block both ends of the street. Oh, some people would try and escape through the buildings, but you could get them. You could get them. You tear gas the hell out of them. You rubber bullet the hell out of them. You make it clear that it's going to hurt, that they need to come quietly and surrender, or it's going to hurt. You do that. You take back that street. The street would be retaken over real fast. Oh, Derek, you're so mean. I don't care. I am sick of this crap. The justification by the left. Even the people of Compton, I believe they are represented by Maxine Waters. She doesn't live there. She lives in Beverly Hills. But they're sick of it. Why? Because it's their neighborhood. It's not Maxine Waters' neighborhood that's getting trashed. Maxine Waters' gas station is still wide open. Probably got a concealed carry permit inside that store uh let's see the largest gathering was near the intersection section of alondra boulevard and central avenue that's where a mob swarmed an arco gas station around 2 a.m surveillance foot swarmed they rioted and looted surveillance footage of that incident showed some looters with their faces covered while others did not bother to hide their identity as they ransacked the store grabbing everything from alcohol to condoms now why would you hide your face well you know what you're doing is wrong but the other people they don't really have they're probably the people who hid their face are likely the ones with parents at home who would go this is no this is way out of line but most other people, they don't care. Look, the prosecutor in Los Angeles, Gar- uh, it's, um, Garcon, I think his name is, and how you pronounce it. He's a Soros guy. These people aren't going to be prosecuted. Nobody's going to be made an example of. They get away with it. Why? Because why not? What's the point? Uh, officials with the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department said thousands of dollars in merchandise was stolen and shots were fired about a block away, though no one was injured. See, we're dealing with uh, the salt of the earth here. Quote, it does piss me off a lot, Arco customer Pam Sebastian told KTLA. Why would you do that? 
Why would you do that? Because they've been told their whole lives that they're never going to get ahead, that the system is rigged against them by people whose you know job it is, in theory, to be sort of inspirational to them, to try and help them, the adults in positions of trust. Those are the people who are telling them, you're never going to get ahead. Forget it, kid, man. You're screwed. You're screwed, pal. Forget you know you had those dreams. Well, let me urinate all over them. That's why. Because if you start to buy into that, once you buy into that, coupled with an education system that is not about education, it is about indoctrinating you to that very philosophy, the critical race theory that we were told by Democrats ain't in schools. Once you get that, what's the point? Honest to God, what is the point? Why would you bother trying if you believe every adult or adults in positions of authority are telling you you're screwed? Well, then you're screwed, right? Why, they wouldn't lie. They're sub- you're, you're supposed to pay attention to teachers. You're supposed to trust politicians. These are community leaders. You're supposed to trust the guy preaching from the pulpit up there, right? That preacher, that's their job to to counsel you, to make sure everything's okay. And they're sitting there going, you're screwed. Yeah, no, you're totally screwed. If I were you, I'd give up. You're never going to get ahead, so get in line. Become an activist. Well, after the summer of BLM Antifa riots, this is activism. It's not taking to the streets to demand social justice and change. It's taking to the streets to demand stuff. Right now, when you had those same politicians and civic leaders and prosecutors saying, we probably... Looting, they're insured. We don't have to worry about the looting. They're insured. We can rebuild. What's important is these children's voices be heard. Huh? If you speak with a brick through a window, uh, your voice should not be heard. Right? It should not be. An hour before the Arco looting, a bunch of people raided a 7-Eleven store on Lakewood and Somerset Boulevards in Paramount, the site of yet another nearby street takeover. It's street takeover. The owner of that store was also out thousands of dollars. Quote, I feel bad for these people, Sebastian said. I've been coming here since I was 13. So far, authorities have not made any arrests but urge anyone with information about these incidents to contact the L.A. County Sheriff's Department. I bet those phones are ringing off the hook with wrong numbers because people are terrified. (laughs) The police aren't arresting them. And by the way, if you have a prosecutor, like a Soros prosecutor that's going to downgrade all the charges and you know your next-door neighbor is somebody who beat the hell out of somebody or robbed a liquor store or whatever, you call up and say, hey, this guy right there, he's the one who did it. I guess word's going to get out that you're the one who read it. Rad, man. Snitches get stitches. And that person, thanks to the left-wing progressive mindset, will be out of jail inside of like three hours. Who do you think they're going to be displeased with? They're going to be displeased at the person who called the police on them. So... What's going to happen is nobody's going to call the police on them because the prosecutors fail up and on down the line. That's how it works, ladies and gentlemen. That's how it works. That's how it works in Chicago, Los Angeles, Baltimore, New York. 
And what are the politicians obsessing on? Social justice. In Baltimore, they've at least imposed a curfew. We'll see how that's, if that matters. We'll see if people obey it or whether or not there's serious punishment that goes along with it. Up in New York, they're too busy insisting that, no, crime is is down. Violent felonies are, are up. It's just the data is being bastardized because the guy charged with prosecuting the violent criminals is too busy going after the former president of the United States and too busy downgrading felonies to misdemeanors. Something like 54% of felony arrests were downgraded to misdemeanors. It helps for the, quote, clearance rate. Oh, we're getting clearance rates through the roof. But it releases the very same people out into the wild who were committing those crimes in the first place. Right? Well, I saw some, I forget what city it was. I think it was Chicago the other day. Where 239, police said that 239 people were responsible for the vast majority of shootings and robberies and all the violent crime. But they're not, if you don't catch them in the act, nobody's going to testify against these people. The prosecutors won't prosecute them for 15 consecutive felonies in a row. They'll drop the charges because social justice, overcriminalization, blah, blah, blah. Those same people end up back out on the street terrorizing people. It's a very small percentage of the people who do the horrible things on the streets. The police know who they are. The prosecutors know who they are, but the politicians don't care. The political prosecutors don't care. Making the prosecutor probably, once that became a super hyper-political position, a hyper-political job, it really screwed over pretty much everybody. It really did. And the fact that people keep voting for these morons, it's hard to feel bad for them. It really is. Meanwhile, what are they talking about? What, well, up in New York, Mayor Eric Adams is concerned about what's on the top of everybody's list when dealing with violent crime. And that's climate change. <laughs> the mayor yesterday was touting how it is important that people switch to a vegetarian diet. Yeah. New York Post. Haven't they suffered enough already? Mostly vegan nanny, uh, that is, Air, Mayor Eric Adams, wants New Yorkers to say goodbye to beef and go with a plant-based diet to help save the world from global warming. The city's public hospital patients are with the city's public hospital patients leading the way. <laughs> uh, it's easy, quote, it's easy to talk about the emissions that are coming from buildings and how it impacts our environment, but how about we talk about beef, Adams said Monday. And is uh, as part of his Greens for Green initiative during a press conference in New York City, but plus uh, New York City Health plus Hospitals Culinary Center in Brooklyn. City's going to hell in a handbasket, homelessness rampant, random street attacks, and he's worried about people eating because he's a vegetarian, and there's nothing more obnoxious than a vegetarian who wants everybody else to be a vegetarian. To that end, H&H is offering plant-based meals as the primary dinner option to its patients at its 11 major facilities. See? Go to the hospital, get a vegetarian meal to save the planet. 
Not what you, I mean, actually hospital food isn't all that bad, at least in the cafeteria. But this is the world that the left is yearning to create, control. We actually have the mayor making this case. It's better for the planet. Shut up and eat your greens. One in every five metric tons of carbon dioxide our city emits comes from food. But all food is not created equal. The vast majority of food uh, that is contributing to our emission crisis lies in meat and dairy products. We already know that a plant, plant power diet is better for your physical and mental health, and I am living proof of that. But the reality is that thanks to this new inventory, we're finding out it is better for the planet. It's better. If, I don't know what it is about vegetarians that they insist that every, they want everybody around them to be vegetarians. You should be a vegetarian too. You should be a vegetarian too. Okay, that's fine. You should. You can tell people they should be a vegetarian, but then leave it at that. All right, leave it at that. How about you just leave it at that? Because I don't know anybody who hunts out vegetarians and goes. You know what you really should have is a steak for dinner. What you really should do is have a giant steak for dinner. <laughs> oh man, this is uh, this is your government. The amateur nutritionist is taking his plant food obsession to a new level by trying tying it to a campaign to reduce food-based carbon emissions. The city agency uh, in the city agencies by thirty-three percent by 2030 while urging private firms to slash emissions by 25%. New York City is it's amazing what happens in New York City. They want to regulate everything that goes in your body except for drugs. <laughs> they really do. They want to punish you for carrying styrofoam but not for carrying fentanyl. Can you square that circle? Can you figure that one out cuz it doesn't make a damn bit of sense. Go ahead. Knock yourself out. Take the drugs. Take the drugs. You're only harming yourself. I mean, except for the people that you rob in order to pay for the drugs. But other than that, take the drugs. It's it's so screwed up. Speaking of screwed up, this story out of Florida is something to behold. Because we sit there and what do we hear from Democrats? We must protect our children. School safety. My God, we need to uh, impose massive gun restrictions because of school safety. But there are certain things, and right now the most favored group in all of America are the people who tuck it back, the trans people. They are the favored class. So the New York Post again. A transgender Florida teacher upset over a hurtful online post was taken to a higher-ups office for counseling where she allegedly threatened to shoot some underperforming students. Shoot some underperforming students. The Fox Middle Cha- uh, Fox Chapel Middle School teacher, who is a transgender woman married to a woman, meaning a man, told the school's guidance counselor last month that sh- he was distressed because he, quote, learned about social media posts where people were talking negatively about his sexual orientation, according to an incident report 
obtained by the post. Kids acting normal. Probably this kid, this guy was a dude for a long time and the students knew him as a dude and then suddenly shows up as a woman. And kids are, because that's weird. Kids would look at that as weird and might say something about it. Instead of being an adult about it, we have infantilized adults. And so there's guys sitting around going, I'm a victim, it's horrible. I'll just shoot some of these kids. The teacher was sent to speak to the counselor because he, and I'm changing all these pronouns for him, had expressed to the assistant principal that he was having, quote, bad thoughts and wanted to shoot some students, the report states. Now, that's a pretty bad thought. You can't fire somebody for that? During the meeting, March 24th, the teacher told the counselor that he, quote, wanted to shoot some students uh, due to them not performing to their ability, end quote. Set off by probably mispronouning and misgendering, whatever, and then justified because they're not living up to his expectations. Do you imagine this? Now, surely this teacher was immediately fired, removed, or at least placed on suspension. Huh? The teacher immediately corrected himself and said he would never harm a student. I want to shoot him, but I would never harm them. Well, isn't that enough? A kid draws a picture of a gun and they get suspended and the SWAT team is dispatched. A teacher says, I want to shoot somebody who's already demonstrated, what, let's just say, mental instability and no big shake. When later questioned by deputies, the teacher said he was nervous for her, his students who would be heading into high school next year because their grades were suffering. And, you know, you're not going to do well in high school with your attitude, Billy. So how about I just execute you? The teacher, quote, feels the students are not trying to pass their class and he does not want to see them fail. The incident, what a way to avoid them failing than to kill them. The teacher reiterated he would never do anything to harm his student. Days later, deputies collected three firearms and ammunitions from the teacher's home. In a letter sent to families, they let them know. But uh, the teacher is uh, still has a job. Now, it might not after this story was reported. But uh, a little unstable, wouldn't you say? Maybe you shouldn't have that guy be a teacher? So along those lines, I want to play you this clip of Leah Thomas making the case, everybody remembers Leah Thomas, making the case that transgenders should be allowed to play in whatever sport they want. My name is Leah Thomas. I'm a transgender woman, a former college swimmer, and the first trans athlete to be named Division I NCAA champion. I started swimming when I was five years old, and it has taught me so much. It has given me so many opportunities to learn, grow, develop, and connect with my peers. Opportunities that I wouldn't have gotten if I didn't have access to athletics. That's why it breaks my heart to see trans kids across the country lose out on these opportunities. The Department of Education has proposed a new rule for Title IX regarding transgender athletes. This rule would prohibit blanket bans on transgender kids, especially in grades K through 8. However, it would not prohibit discrimination against trans kids in the high school and college levels under the guise of competitive fairness. This rule is a good start. However, it is not enough. During this time of intense anti-trans backlash, the trans community needs explicit protections from discrimination in order to live our lives freely and equally. Luckily, this rule is not final. We have a 30-day period 
to urge the Biden administration to amend the rule and grant equal protection for all transgender kids, because all trans kids deserve the opportunity to compete and play in the sports they love without compromising who they are. Join me in commenting on this proposed rule and demanding equal protection for all transgender athletes. Yeah, no, nobody should be forced to live in any way that they don't like. So you can make everybody else around you change their reality rather than you just deal with it. Yeah, no, there's no sense of irony in these people when they talk. They don't give a damn. It's about an agenda. It's about controlling you. It's gross. You're a dude, dude. Sorry. You, uh, you have an, you're beating kids, women by like 50 seconds in the pool. That's, that's not a, you're really good, especially when you sucked as a man. Sorry. Anyway, we'll get into this maybe more again tomorrow. We're out of time for today. Go out, enjoy a life for crying out loud. Live a little while you can before the left comes in and screws it all up. We'll keep track of the crazy because it never stops. Thanks for listening. I'll see you tomorrow.